great day today because it's the first real episode of Pink Prince and yeah, we found somebody to join us. It's Lauren Peterson and super, super nice for you to come and be our test bunny, test rabbit in that case. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Super, super excited for, yeah, all of those who don't know Lauren, because we know a little bit, we did some digging on LinkedIn and everywhere else. Yeah, let's maybe kick it off with a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit. Yeah, well, thanks a lot for having me. Uh, I'm Lauren. I'm uh, from New Zealand originally, so you can probably hear a little bit on the accent. But I've been living here in Norway for 15 years now. And I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at AirThings, a Norwegian bread tech company that I hope you've all heard of. <laughs> well, at least they do now. So that's like very, very good for them. But it's like been quite a journey for you since you said you, you're straight from New Zealand. So how did you end up here? <laughs> Yeah, that's a fair question. Well, uh, I actually didn't come straight from New Zealand to Norway. I uh, ended up going to university in the States, so in Washington, D.C., on a tennis scholarship, in fact. So, uh, yeah, I went there when I was 18, and I was four years studying marketing and communications at American University. And after that, I ended up uh, taking my first uh, job or first step of the career was at a large advertising agency in New York. So I worked there for a couple of years. Uh, then went over to London for four years working also in advertising and moved to Oslo 15 years ago. And since I moved to Oslo, I've really been working in more of the tech or startup scene, so helping uh, Norwegian companies to grow and scale uh, abroad, so internationally. That's so, so interesting. I mean, especially if you look at Oslo right now, right, the transition that Oslo had, moving away from this old-fashioned oil and gas industry to become like some sort of a tech hub in the Nordics or in, in Europe in general. But it's always so fast-paced and, and a little bit here and there, right? And I mean, you, you come from a marketing background and you worked at CNN and then had some corporate jobs as well, if I read that correctly. So what was it actually done that you, you linked onto the startup environment? Well, I, you know, as I said, I started my career working in quite large advertising agencies. And that was uh, an incredible experience when you're coming into a marketing world. We got, you know, I got to work within everything from market research and media planning, media buying, production, the creative experience, all of these kind of areas um, as the most junior person in a large advertising agency, you know, 20 something years ago. So it was uh, an incredible start. Um, but when I moved over to Norway, I realized, well, being not being Norwegian, not speaking Norwegian, it was very difficult to come into the Norwegian advertising industry over here because most of the uh, work is done either for Norwegian specific brands targeting Norwegians or for global brands trying to become more Norwegian for the Norwegian market. And that obviously wasn't going to be a task that I was well suited for. So uh, I decided to switch things around and really start to try to work with small Norwegian companies who wanted to grow internationally, where my experience and um, my background was going to be a real advantage to them. Some fair points, definitely. And, you know, I think when you started to work at Airfrings, you've been in contact with, with Eric. And unfortunately, Eric cannot be here today because he's super busy. You know, even with us at Vanguard, we have a lot going on right now. And we got some um, investments coming in with funding partners. We filled it up today. So he's going to be excused, at least on my behalf. But he said that you have so many interests outside of like marketing and, and everything. Is there like a way you link those things? I heard you super into tennis. You obviously get a quiz because you won our quizzes several times. <laughs> so, so is there something you, you link to the marketing world out of your personal life? I think you gain experiences from everything you do in life, right? So, um, you know, for me, I've played tennis my entire life. It's been a big part of my, uh, yeah, who I am. 
Uh, I played it as a junior. I went through college tennis, so NCAA in the US. And I still play today. So, uh, in fact, I'm leading up to playing for, uh, to represent Norway in the World Championships of 40 plus. And it's going to be uh, held in Turkey in March. So, uh, yeah, watch out. Well, we'll sure, we'll sure do. Is it like going to be broadcasted? Well, I don't know, actually. I'm going to have to find out. I'm trying, trying to negotiate some broadcast rights for uh, the 40-plus league. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, like, we have to put the link in the description somewhere then. Oh, yeah, totally. We have to follow you. But that's amazing. Um, but, you know, like, you are from New Zealand. So how come you now represent Norway? Well, uh, I finally became a Norwegian or a dual citizen last year. I'm very proud of, uh, of being a Norwegian. And um, it took a while, you know. I've been here 15 years, but... Uh, Norway just opened up uh, the regulations so that you could have dual citizenship uh, a couple of years ago. So I was very happy when I got accepted into the Norwegian society for full and can wave the Norwegian flag. I'm hoping to get a bunad soon, by the way. Oh, okay. Do you have like a preferred style of bunad you want to have? Because I'm only Norway now for one and a half years myself. And uh, I learned that for every single region, there are different kind of bunads. Is there something that's really popping into your eye? Yeah, well, my uh, my husband comes from Shein, so it would have to be Telemark's Budnad. Oh, okay, so representing Telemark. Totally. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's super cool. But, you know, as I just said, I moved here like one and a half years ago. And, you know, I'm an EU citizen, so I like the transitioning part was more or less kind of easy. Of course, the obstacles everywhere that you have to jump over. But how was, how was it for you? I mean, was it a little bit easier since you already worked in London a little bit? Or, or was the tough... I mean, it's uh, it's never easy moving into a new market. And I actually ended up, I knew that I was going to move over to Norway and was able to take a job with a small startup while I was still in London and then transition over to Norway. And that was um, that was a very lucky situation to come into. And then you start to build up a network from there. Um, it was tougher moving from company to company when you don't know as many people at the very beginning, and especially if you're not speaking Norwegian. Uh, but, you know, from each company and each person I met, that network starts to develop and people get to know you and know what you're good at. And then they start to kind of recommend you. So it is, of course, a small market in Oslo and Norway in this startup tech world here. Uh, so once you do a good job the first time and do a good job the second time, then you're more likely to get recommended for the third and fourth. Yeah, was it the same kind of way when you landed your now position at AirThings? Because Eric was involved, I think, in your recruitment back yeah, then. Yeah, I mean, Eric, uh, he uh, he contacted me and, and I was really happy to, to start to meet the AirThings gang and I didn't know them. Um, but of course, during that process, a lot of people that they knew, knew me. So uh, it's always good to have... Uh, you know, worked hard and to build bridges along the way so that uh, you do get good um, feedback later on in life as you go into the next steps. Yeah, but how's the journey been now at AirThings? Because you guys, you grew a lot. Yeah, we've grown a lot. It's uh, It's been amazing. I mean, AirThings has always been a really kind of inspiring place to work. The company's mission is to empower the world to breathe better. I mean, it doesn't <laughs> get any better than that. Uh, and, you know, that mission is really, it, it's going strong within the company. And I think, you know, Worldwide, people understand more and more about how air pollution is a threat to us and how it's impacting us. But very few people understand that the air you breathe in your own home or your office or your school is typically more polluted than the air that's outside. And it's difficult for people to understand how this impacts their health, their well-being, their ability to focus, their ability to sleep, their ability to be in a good mood. All of these things are impacted by 
the air you're breathing. So, and if you don't know what's in the air, there's not much you can do about it. But uh, the simple technology that we've developed at AirThings, that kind of empowers you to see what's in the air you're breathing and your family and to be able to make good decisions. Yeah, more or less you're making the invisible visible with that in, yeah. in a sense. And especially now, you know, we're sitting in like a, a small chamber more or less to record this podcast. So it would be interesting actually to have like one of your devices here and see how it changes now with three people being in here and just watching the radon and, and uh, I think the CO2 is what you're measuring as well, how that changes over time. Yeah, in a, in a small room like this, uh, the CO2 levels typically rise and it's very much like in a, in a meeting room or a classroom at school. Um, you know, you might start with an engaged audience, but as the uh, class hour or the meeting goes on, the CO2 levels typically rise and people become slightly more drowsy, slightly less alert, it's more difficult to concentrate. Um, and without uh, air quality monitors in these areas, it's very difficult to really take, uh, take charge of it and to be able to adjust ventilation or even just open doors and windows. Are you also like offering like the solution to the problem then? I mean, you're like you're monitoring, you're, sh you're showcasing it. Do you have like vendors you work together with or is this something you are, you're trying to implement at things as well? Yeah, so more and more we're working with becoming a solution. So uh, within a commercial building like this, uh, a company might use our data into their systems to kind of make ventilation a bit more needs-based. So rather than the ventilation or heating or cooling coming on at seven in the morning and then going off at seven at night, um, it will actually be based on what's happening in the room. So are people actually occupying this area of the building? Are the CO2 levels too high? Is the heating too low? All of these things can actually be kind of adjusted automatically uh, to make it a much smarter system. And that not only helps the people in the building to be more healthy and to feel a lot better, uh, but it also makes the buildings much more energy efficient. Because typically when these things are just running, the heating, the cooling, the ventilation, it's using so much energy to run these buildings. Uh, and if they can just be adjusted in a more smart manner using actual data, uh, you can typically save like 20% of your energy costs in buildings like this. Wow, and I think that can be or has to be like a big selling point, right? So like if you also can say, you know what, with us, with our solution, you can also like save power, you're going to save cost and have more focused employees or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it really is like a win-win for the people who are using these systems because uh, they keep happier tenants. People are complaining less. I mean... Think about all the people who complain about the, it just being too hot in a room or not good air in this building. You know, there's so many people grizzling to facility managers about these things. But finally, facility managers can actually take a more kind of proactive step and they can make sure that the air quality is good in the room. Uh, and at the same time, they can deliver on the bottom line, which is energy savings and sustainability goals, these kind of things. Yeah, which makes you like a little bit of a green company as well. Totally. But, you know, you pitched it now to us like in a very, very good way with a lot of details. But your job as CMO obviously is like to have like some sort of strategy of how to be out there, how to be recognized in the market. And I think you would have things you have some different approaches to some things because I think you're even sponsoring Magnus Carlsen and... Uh, for those of you who don't know, like big jazz player here in Norway, worldwide. But what is like your your target audience, and how do you get to them? Yeah, I mean, we think we're relevant in in you know all around the world when it comes to people breathing good air. That's kind of relevant for anyone in their homes and their offices and schools. So it's a broad audience that we're going after. Um, but from a marketing strategy perspective, um, we understand that building awareness is extremely important, not only for air things as a brand, but for the importance of good in indoor air quality. 
So you mentioned the chess partnership. It's really a cool one. I'm, I'm really proud of it. We uh, have been the official air quality partner of the Champions Chess Tour. And in fact, the Air Things Masters is on this week, which is the first tournament in the Champions Chess Tour uh, this year. Uh, it's watched by millions of people around the world. So through this partnership, we get access to talk to people about the importance of air quality for health and well-being and for focus. And Magnus Carlsen, he's uh, streaming his live indoor air quality data uh, as he's competing <laughs> in the tournament. And the commentators have something to talk about. You know, in chess, there can be a bit of uh, downtime, I would say, for commentators. So for them to be able to talk about how the air quality is impacting them and have e- extra data to be able to reference um, has been a real win-win, I think, for the partnership in general. That's amazing. I mean, I think no one ever thought about okay so what do commentators actually do like during a chess tournament but i think you have a strong point that it sometimes there's not much to tell <laughs> but um was it the first time that that you know not going to be broadcasting with an air things championship or was the placement set there before as well uh we this is the third year we've been partners of the champions chess tour uh and it's uh it's really grown through that partnership i think how impactful it can be um it's an awesome opportunity for us to get the word out there and having players like magnus and others to stream the air quality data and to to really focus on you know all these people around the world who are either gaming or playing chess They're often sitting in either basements or bedrooms or small closed rooms. They're sitting there for hours and hours on end. And the air quality has a massive impact on their health and their well-being and their cognitive ability. I mean, recent research came out uh, actually just a week or so ago, which was showing that air quality has a direct impact on your chess performance. So if you want to be a great esports player, if you want to be a great chess player, if you want to be great at the office, at work, at school... Having good air quality is extremely important, and more and more data is showing this, which is what we're trying to bring to light. And, you know, Marcus Carson is known, so people know him, and what he says must be true in that case, (laughs) what he promotes for. Now that's amazing. But would have been a partnership like this possible, like if you think back 10 years ago, with a product like this? So is this something that changed over time now, that all of a sudden you have like those testimonials promoting fresh air, clean air, focus, sustainability. Is this like a new trend or is this something 10 years prior that will be happening? I mean, I think people are becoming much more aware around air quality and how it impacts them. So uh, it's maybe not such a, a niche discussion anymore. It's becoming much more mainstream and that, that helps us. But I think we've also, Air Things has really been a driver of this to build this awareness. So we also partner with the American Lung Association, for example, in the U.S., Uh, And there we try to bring to light the importance of monitoring, for example, for radon. Uh, If you don't know, radon is the second leading cause of lung cancer in the world after smoking. So if you're a non-smoker, radon is the most likely cause that you would get lung cancer. Uh, And it's a big issue in many parts of the US, in Canada, here in the Nordics, and around the world. It's also something that's extremely difficult to detect. You can't smell it, you can't see it. Um, But, for example, I see in my home now with the air quality monitor, especially in winter in Norway, that the radon levels can spike. And if I didn't have an air air things device, I would not know. Is there something that you do know in your own home to tackle that? What what would be your advice for anybody? 
Yeah, my advice is that you do actually obviously start to monitor just so that you know, you become aware of what the, what the issue is. And then AeroThings gives you um, kind of notifications to tell you when you should really be taking action. And action for, for some, in some circumstances can be like just increasing ventilation in your own home. It could be opening doors, it could be opening windows, internal doors even. Um, but in certain, certain circumstances, you will need radon mitigation. And, you know, uh, if there was one thing I would want to make sure I did not have in my home, it was long-term high radon levels. <laughs> I can assure you that's not something you want. So uh, this is an easy thing to, to, to take care of if you try. And, and you said like you're operating in the US now and the Nordic specifically. How is it to target those markets? What are the differences in there? Is this something you have to focus on in, in the US that you obviously don't have to focus on in Norway, for example? Or how do you dis- decide on what to target and when? Yeah, we've always been a pretty international company, it has to be said, and I think there's different levels of awareness and concern from the public when it comes to air quality in different markets we see. So in the US and in Canada, I would say there's higher awareness around the issue of radon. I think there's been um, probably better regulation or different kind of awareness building mechanisms in those markets. Uh, Norway is coming behind that and other markets are even behind Norway again. So um, we have to tackle them in a sense that in first case we have to build awareness of these issues and then we have to introduce them to how simple the products are to actually tackle these issues uh, before we can really start selling the products. How do you build like an awareness to that? I mean I think if I remember correctly in the US you are in some schools or it's like even in a school program that they use AirThings devices. So are you tackling then, for example, like the school kids and say, hey, if, you, if your kids are in an environment where there's like less risk for radon, it's, it's smart for you and smart for everybody? Or how do you approach that? Yeah, it, and it really is different for different buildings and, and different customers. I mean, uh, we have, for example, a partnership with um, the whole region of Quebec in Canada, for example, rolled out our air quality monitors across the private schools across the whole state. Uh, and there it was driven about making sure that the students are healthy and happy and wanting to come back to school and perform. We work with many municipalities uh, across Norway as well, so the commuter, to make sure that the schools or care homes or offices are also um, providing healthy air for the inhabitants. So, I mean, whether it's your home or your office or school, all of these areas um, are, have a massive impact on you as a person uh, and how you, you and your building can perform. So we do different tactics to build awareness around all of those. Yeah, do you have like some numbers on that? Because, you know, we're building our Christmas quiz, of course, again, like in December, and hopefully you will be taking part again. So to gain some little bit of an advantage for you and for us, uh, what is like the impact on the learning behavior? If like the air is good, if the air is fresh, do you have some numbers on that? What is the impact of learning? You know, what? I'm going to get back to you on exact stats on that because new stats came out in this research paper, which was actually linking to chess and cognitive abilities. Uh, so I'm going to give you those stats and you're going to put it into the quiz next year and let's right. see what people say. Because but I will say that, you know, one thing that few people know is that you spend 90% of your time indoors uh, and there the air is typically two to five times worse than it is outside. So if you're going to worry about air quality and your health and how it impacts you, you should worry about the indoor first. Mm. That's very good. I think that's a very nice cut to have because I think we took up all your time. (laughs) So thank you again for joining us. It was super informative and thanks for being the test bunny once more and talk soon. Sounds great. Thanks for having me.